The veteran community is weird, right? It can tear itself apart. Warfighter actively tries to be Switzerland. We don't want to get involved in any of the weird politics in the veteran entrepreneurial space. Yeah. I know a lot of the guys personally that have been attacked by the veteran community over misquotes and all kinds of weird stuff. So we try to stay out of all that. As far as the end user goes, those personal relationships are very important. Is that much of it? That's not much of a change for you, right? My name is Kerry Kite. I used to load bombs in the Air Force, and now I'm a writer, a filmmaker, and an entrepreneur. Through using the post 9-11 GI Bill to go to college, working hourly jobs to pay the bills, and freelancing my way into a career, I've studied what it takes to successfully transition from service to civilian. And that study has become a conversation. On this podcast, I speak to other veterans, successful artists and entrepreneurs about their transition, what they did well, where they failed, what they learned, and most importantly, how they applied their skills. Episode 61 features John Simons and Scott Jansen, two Army veterans and the co-founders of Warfighter Tobacco. Welcome. This is Veteran Made. Good morning, fellas. How are you? Good. Morning. Oh, well, here we go. Classic. Should be good now. Let's, All right. let's slow roll it in. Are you there? We're here. Yep. All right. I recently switched from from doing this on Zoom to doing this on Riverside. And I learned the hard way that uh, Riverside takes a little, a little while to warm up when you have kind of multiple connections going. So I think we're good. Sweet. Cool. All right. Warfighter Tobacco, welcome to Veteran Made. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Uh, I, uh, I am not smoking a cigar right now. I had one, I had uh, a Sumatra last night. Um, nice. I, I'm not set up in a cool studio like y'all are. I'm just in the guest room, but I, I definitely need to get a studio at least so I can have a cigar while, while recording these uh, episodes. So thanks so much for joining. Um, would love to just, if you could uh, both just give us a bit of a primer on, on kind of who you are and, and, and where and when you served, and then we can kind of jump right into, to, your entrepreneurial pursuits and how the uh, how the company got started. Um, don't like to spend too much time on this talking about service stories, but just to give us a bit of a primer on on where y'all are coming from. Well, ours is kind of easy because John and I started out in the same platoon, so yeah, uh, yeah. So we were in the 101st Third uh, Battalion, 327. Um, but I got in in about 97, 98, and yeah, I got I joined 2000, 2000. And then, so we deployed together in 2003. Uh, and then uh, I think you got out after that deployment. Yeah, I got out uh, off active duty in 04 and out of the military 05. And I, I stayed in until the beginning of 2007 and then I got out. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and so, um, what, uh, why cigars? Did cigars start while you were in service? Was that, was that something of interest you had? going into service while, while you're in service or coming out? Like what, what's the, what's the story there what, with personally with each of you with cigars? Yeah, I think, well, I think my first cigar, I was probably, I don't know, it was probably a Swisher Sweet in high school or something. Right. I don't really right. remember. My first good cigar was when we were deployed and in Iraq and uh, you know, we were, I don't know if they were real Cubans, fake Cubans. It didn't matter. They weren't in a humidor anyway. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we're buying cigars and, and we're just, uh, sitting around smoking cigars in Iraq. And, uh, you know, that's kind of where I decided that I liked cigars. I had no idea at that time that it would be any kind of a future business thing. Um, cause I took a drastically different path. Once I got out, I was into gun stuff and, and doing that. And so cigars were just, uh, you know, something I did occasionally. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. When was your first uh, my first cigar, I, I was like 13 or 14, um, statue limitations. I can talk about it now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, my, uh, a, a childhood friend of mine, his older brother had a Buick grand national and I thought he was the coolest dude in the entire world. Well, he was, he was, and, uh, <laughs> and he smoked cigars. And so when he'd go get cigars, he'd ask if we wanted any. And I remember one day we scrounged up all of our quarters and pennies and stuff. And, uh, I don't even know what cigar it was. And I, guarantee you i took like three puffs on it and that was it um but i remember like i probably still have to see if i still have it but i had a wallet and i had like five or six cigar bands in there that i got that he got for you know for us so that's kind of like originally like smoking cigars i didn't know if i liked them or not i didn't know anything um and then fast forward 
you know, uh, being in the military, um, is probably like Scott said, where I realized, like, I actually enjoy these. I like cigars. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, when deployed, well, we're always spoken while we were deployed. Yeah. I think it's weird. Cause like when we were over there and you'd smoke a cigar, it would bring us back home. Right. It, it, it'd take you out of the combat environment you're in for that hour or whatever. And it would bring you back home. And it's funny every now and then, especially being warfighter tobacco <clears throat> and hanging out with all the friends we hang out with, which are mostly veterans and whatever. Now, when we smoke a cigar, sometimes it brings me back to Iraq when I was smoking that cigar. And so it's, it's weird how that kind of works, uh, you know, with your thoughts and, and memories and stuff. So, yeah. yeah, it's got, I mean, it's like the whole, the whole olfactory thing, right? So you get the taste yeah. and the smell and it just, it takes you to places. It's funny for me, cigars are, are something I, I share with my dad and my, and my uncle. Um, and I remember probably like Swisher Sweets or something for, for me and my best friend in high school. He's in the Coast Guard now. He's a PA in the Coast Guard. Um, and uh, when we were in high school, we used to go, you know, sneak Swisher Sweets and walk the golf course, right? And like we would go out at night and like smoke them while we were walking around and thinking we were getting the scent off of them and like come back into the house. And my parents you know, acted like we didn't they didn't know exactly what it was that we were doing. I guess at least it wasn't cigarettes is probably what they were thinking. Yeah. Um, and then my brother played, played college football at a small D3 school. Um, and my best friend and I would, would go, we were in high school, we would go up um, and watch the games with my parents. And then after that, we would all kind of like hang out and, you know, the parents would drink beers and we would all have food or whatever. And my dad would always get out, you know, a cigar and would always just let us take a couple of, of puffs off of it. And, and he's like, this is a this is a real cigar, not the not the kind of right. shit that you're taking out to the golf course and, and sneaking around with. Um, and so that you know, as I've as I as I, I did dip into the cigarette smoking habit when I was in in the military, but then it was kind of always cigars for me that that same thing kind of took me back home and took me back to to some of those uh, like times and, and moments with my dad. And then we would you know I'd come home on leave and we would sit outside and on the screen right. and porch or out by the fire and kind of have those cigars and talk about the things that I was I was doing um in service and uh so yeah it's uh, for me it's like very much wrapped up in in kind of all of that with memories and 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 service and experiences and kind of going going back and forth at what point for for you two did you two link up in the, in the same platoon thinking like hey i really like this guy i might want to get into business with him or i could see you know something like this happening when did it turn from these are things that we enjoy doing together uh smoking cigars whether it's on deployment or, or back home and thinking like hey, we can make a business out of this. So I, th I think when we were in, I was the married one and had kids. John was definitely He was the not. old guy in the platoon. Yeah. Now, mind and, you, he's like, what, two and a half years older? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was 23 instead of 20, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, in the when we were in the military, you know, John got out of deployment before I did. And uh, we didn't, I don't think we ever had a single thought of, of ever doing yeah, business together when we were in active duty i don't think there was i don't think anybody in the platoon really had like conversations about like hey we should do blah 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 business wise afterwards no no we were thinking about making it to the next day yeah that was it like the we, we yeah. were you know we were infantry and we were you know we were pretty active infantry unit so we 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 stayed busy that way but uh i don't we didn't we it didn't really happen until we did a platoon reunion i think in 2000 it's like 12 yeah yeah, one of our guys yeah. got married in Vegas and invited the whole platoon down. No, this was West Virginia. Oh, yeah, but that was the first time we linked up since you got out. Yeah, that's true. It was at that reunion. Yeah. And then at one of the next reunions, that's kind of when everything kind of fell into place. But uh, I, I owned a, a gun store at the time and uh, asked John if we were drunk one night. Yeah, I was and, like, I need to come sell guns with you. <laughs> and I'm like... I can make that happen, you know? And then we both woke up and we're like, are you serious? Yeah. Cause I was kind of serious. And, and so then he came and worked at the gun store for a while. And, and, uh, yeah, the, the cigar business started kind of two ways. One, I was, um, I don't know if you, if you know the movie range 15, um, mm -hmm. that all those guys did. So, uh, our gun store helped support the movie. And so I was there in the movie and got to film with all those guys and hang out. And that's kind of my connection with all of those guys in that community is I saw all these business entrepreneurs that were veterans, you know, and I'm, and I already, I already owned a business and a couple different things. And, uh, but I got to thinking, you know, like, well, I kind of want a product that's a consumable that I can market. Um, uh, that's not, 
you know, that's just something kind of cool. Right. And so I kind of landed on cigars, didn't know anything about the cigar business. And then, uh, about, I don't know, probably a six months to a year after that. Yeah. We were at shot show and, uh, we're drunk and we're kind of like, we should start a cigar company, you know, and that's kind of yeah. where that started. But it, we started, I kind of started it to, to help the gun store, mm-hmm. you know, like when the gun store, when the sales are up and down, you know, political times and all that stuff, right. Guns are, it's a really hard industry. Um, so I wanted a product that I could, you know, kind of use to help that and ended up doing better than the gun store. And so I ended up selling the gun store and, and doing the, the cigars full time. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's kind of where it came from. So what was the, uh, what was the interest or was there an interest in the learning curve associated with like, Hey, this is something that I've, you know, consumed and enjoy and enjoy the way it makes me feel, enjoy like, you know, what it makes me think about and, and, and remember and honor and all that stuff. How did that translate from, from those thoughts and feelings around cigars to I'm going to open up the store and actually learn about this business and, and how it works was there. Cause it doesn't strike me as something that would be particularly easy to get into if you, if you don't kind of have institutional knowledge of, of how it actually works. Yeah, you're right. Uh, we made a lot of mistakes when we first started. Everyone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so one of my other friends, one of the other founders, Chris, um, he's like, yeah, I, I know a guy, you know, and, and so we ended up going through a middleman and the quality was not great. Uh, we sold w- way more cigars right out of the gate. Yeah. Than he could even provide us. And then it, it you know, so we made a bunch of mistakes. We just never tried to make the same one twice. And, uh, you know, now we have it. I think <clears throat> I'm very happy with where the business and quality of the cigars are now. But when we first started, we, we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah. And, um, you know, when, when, when mistakes are expensive, um, you learn a lot from them. So that's kind of, kind of how, how we learned. Yeah. What were some of the um, what, okay? What were some of those mistakes as you were as you were going through that process and and was any of it? I'm almost potentially two, two directions we can go here because with with range fifteen and, and kind of being around all those the 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 kind of renaissance of of veteran owned businesses becoming kind of what it is now, right? Which obviously is is the thesis of this podcast and kind of studying how all this, these things happen and how people operate and what they've learned and mistakes that they've made and successes that they've had and the ways that we are all connected to each other, the way we all serve each other, kind of post-service or or during service. Um, What, what did you, what did you learn um, through mistakes there at the beginning and how much were you interfacing with other veteran business owners and, and maybe pooling some resources, whether it's just, you know, relational capital or, or actually like kind of, uh, you know, partnerships and sponsorships and things like that. Yeah. I, th- I think, um, one of the things that like the range 15 community did for us is when we first launched, uh, we, sp- we, we sponsored the drinking bros podcast and that's kind of what got our name out of there initially. Uh, actually they, it's kind of funny cause we were supposed to be ready at, at a certain date. And for some reason, our, credit card processing or website wasn't quite done yeah because and, uh, <clears throat> we sold tobacco and uh we had to write a letter uh by a lawyer to mastercard and visa yeah explaining that we're not doing cigarettes chew or, or yeah. cigarettes or anything like that and we didn't know any of this you know we were just yeah. naive sure and so we have a date and we're like yeah we're gonna go live on this date everything's gonna be great we pushed out all the press releases and and the the sponsorship stuff for drinking bros and everything and everybody has a solid date Right. So everybody goes live on that solid date, except for us. <laughs> <laughs> we were about two weeks behind. Yeah. And so it was, uh, yeah, it, it worked out okay. Mm-hmm. Though, I think, but, uh, what, um, what, so what happened when, I mean, at that, when folks went to the website, like, were they able well, to, were they on back order? Like how did it work? Yeah, no, okay. it's like coming soon, yeah. but the best hindsight, we shouldn't have done it any other way. It worked out perfect. Cause we drummed up a huge buzz. And nobody could get anything. And the sponsor or the the podcast and stuff had the, you know, product and and whatnot. Uh, I actually would not recommend anybody do it that way. Looking back, it worked out amazingly. uh, Because once we got the website live, once we got all the bugs fixed and everything working, and we flipped the switch and turned it on, we actually got orders coming in, like, right away. Where normally, like, uh, you know, you'll build it. If you don't have a huge buzz going, you turn it on, and it's like, you get one order and then 
maybe a day later you get another, you know? And so it was one of those, uh, like it happened and we were like, Oh man, like this, this is working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we thought it was great. You know, I think we were doing monthly numbers then where we're doing like daily numbers now. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, but back then we were, we were super, we were super happy. You know, one of the things that I did learn, um, I, we had a couple bad partnerships that, uh, we had to learn from. Uh, so we brought people in and, um, it was, I don't know. It was, I don't know how to say it politely, but, uh, we, you could just uh, say it. Yeah. <laughs> we, we had a guy try to steal the company. We had, um, a, a, you know, another cigar brand that was, uh, helping us, you know, try to steal the company from us. And, uh, you know, if timing wise, if we didn't do a couple things at the exact right time, we probably would have been put out of business by it. But it, what it taught us was we can learn, we can run the company very lean if we need to, because we had to for yeah. years. We can get very creative. Yeah. So creative financing, you know, we were, you know, maxing out all our credit cards and everything just to keep it floating. And, uh, you know, so that, what that did to us though, is it, we, it took one of our, what should have been one of our explosive growth years and it made it like we just were in survival mode uh, the whole year. So it, it like hit the pause button on us for a while. But, uh, but once we got through that, you know, I think now everything's going good. And, you know, now one of the challenges is how do we grow it? You know, how do we get to that next step? Um, and that's, I don't know. Yeah. What, what did you, what did you learn uh, about yourselves during that survival mode year? Did it provide, any clarity for you in terms of because you talked about you you learned that you could run the business lean like what kind of clarity did you get from being in that survival mode i don't know if it was any clarity it was just like a big kick in the nuts uh Hmm. like because i I mean we're working full i'm working full-time job uh and then i'm driving uber at night you know i'm doing like everything i can just to support my family john's living in my camper behind the shop uh, yeah you know like i mean there, it was it was it was it was a very it wasn't i don't know if, other than learning how to run the business lean like it and what i mean by that is like before that happened you know we we you'd spend money on stuff looking back and you're like that was really dumb you know like when you're when you're just starting out you need to spend every dollar you spend you need to be able to bring in two you know if like you're spending a dollar and you're not bringing in two, then that's probably not a smart dollar to spend. Um, you know, that's the kind of stuff where we, we learned. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I it, it's, it's interesting because I think a lot of people have, um, and, and may, maybe especially in our, in our community, I think a lot of people have misconceptions about what entrepreneurship is, what a brand is, you know, the, the idea that, that you were working a full-time job driving Uber at night and you were living in his, in his camper out behind the shop. Like, you know, a lot of people might not know that sometimes that's what it takes to, to grow a business, especially when you're selling, you know, something and it's not just like your services, you know what I mean? Yeah, if you're yeah. like, I, like a creative entrepreneur, right. Or a videographer, photographer, copywriter, like whatever, right. Like that's just my services. So I don't have to spend any money on, you know, the, you know, widgets to build the widgets to then sell the widgets. It's like, no, it's just my services and my time. So it might be, you know, quote unquote, easier to go work a service job or something like that while you're, while you're doing that, because you're, you're, it's, it's just time um, and services rather than actual things. But I don't think a lot of people quite understand what it actually takes at the beginning stages of building a, a, a company from scratch in order to sell things. So I actually think it's really helpful for people to hear what it was that you're doing at the time. Um, how like long this, were both of you ahead. in that situation? I was just, how, how long, what was that like? I mean, can you un- unpack that for us? Well, I mean, uh, like I had the gun business, right? And so when we initially started, like I, I looking back on it, it, it probably is okay. But at the time I should not have taken money out of my gun business to start another company. Cause it ended up it. And then, trying to have two different companies at the same time i would when i focused on one the other one would suffer a lot and then when i had to go back and focus on this one the other one would suffer you know and then when we you know we brought in partners and um for the most part i have we have great partners now yeah we have we have four there's four of us that right now and that it's great right but we brought in one guy and 
you know, he seemed like it would be a good thing, you know, brought him in 20% and then, you know, he brought in some financing, but he, he literally just, I don't know. I don't know. It was a necessary evil. It was um, cause we needed the capital to get going. Yeah. You know, we wouldn't be here now if we, if we didn't make that decision. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, we, the, a lot of the things that we learned throughout that process is like, one of the big things that we learned and it wasn't really a learned thing, but it really showed through is loyalty. Um, you know, this partner tried to pit everybody against each other to create turmoil and part the seas. Um, including John and I yeah. we have a long history. And right? I literally, I'd be on the phone and, you know, playing into that, you know, like just gathering information, sitting this far away from Scott as we're smoking a cigar on a patio or on a porch. And I hung up the phone and I'm like, yeah, man, he hates you. <laughs> um, you know, like uh, one of the things, um, you know, for us that is, I don't know, I think a little bit different than some other companies and guys that start them is, um, you know, when, when we decided that this was going to be a thing that, you know, we were going to, you know, Scott was going to sell his gun store, we were going to move forward with uh, Warfighter, you know, solely and full time um that was it like it wasn't like okay we're gonna try this and okay but here's plan b c d you know and, and we're just whatever like it was 100 percent absolute commitment no looking back no changing yeah. course no anything else like this is it we, we put There's, all of our eggs there, there our was bag. no no other option yeah and so it wasn't a matter of like okay this is gonna there was no other option. So if if we failed at it, we would be bankrupt and homeless. Yep. So <laughs> like we're, we have to make this work. And, and I think sometimes, you know, everybody's like, Oh, you should have a plan B and C. Well, if we would have had a plan B, we would have taken it yeah, because we, plan A hurt. It, uh, it sucked it for sucked. a while. Uh, uh, so that process lasted probably a year and a half. Yeah. About a year and a half. Yeah. Um, hey, and what, uh, what years was this? When did you, when did you get started? So we started 2016. Yeah. This started 2019. Well, it started late 2018. Yeah. 2019 is when it really uh, got interesting for us. And that lasted about a year and a half. So until about 2021. Um, so, you know, leading up into uh, COVID and then into COVID. Um, into COVID, we were we were sitting pretty. No, we were we were in a bad spot. Yeah, we, we just got we just got out of the partnership. Yeah, uh, and so we paid back all the money that we borrowed. Uh, we had very little inventory. Yeah, and we had true. very little capital. <laughs> but we we had we had no debt. We had uh, we got rid of the, a, a partner that was trying to take the company. Um, so yes, in theory, yeah. we were in a very good place. Uh, we, were, we were at zero again. So yeah, <laughs> better Sometimes. better than in the red. Yeah, sometimes zero is a good place, you know, if you're if you're a business owner, sometimes right. that's, uh, that's not bad. But. Yeah. So uh, I think that's about when I discovered y'all was like 2000, 2019, maybe during during COVID. Um, definitely, definitely helped uh, helped helps me get through the lockdown for sure. Um, what um, so what did you do moving forward? You had so you, you had an established brand. You, you were at zero. You didn't have debt. Um, you didn't have inventory. What did you learn up to that? What had you learned up to that point about inventory, about, you know, getting the materials that you needed to sell the, 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 the kinds of cigars that you wanted to sell? Like, how did you move from zero to where you are now? And what decisions did you make uh, together? And I'm really actually curious. I want to talk more about the, the kind of the, the, the podcasting side of it and, and the sponsoring side of it and then how you came to those agreements and kind of what those relationships were like and get into the marketing side, too. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, as far as inventory, um, well, so one of the things that we, we learned is the more middlemen you can cut out of stuff, the better, um, one, you don't always know your middlemen's, um, uh, intentions, I guess, yeah. other than to supply you stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, the, if you can go direct to the source, right. But when, when our source is in Nicaragua and neither one of us had ever been there, you know, we've been there a lot now, but, yeah. you know, to try to cut out middlemen with a language barrier and, and a, you know, in, in a different country, it's a little bit harder to do. But uh, once we got a chance to go down there and meet some good people and, you know, we went from 
a really small factory to a really, really big factory, like one of the biggest factories. And now we're in like a medium sized factory that it's the right fit for us. Um, and then, uh, yeah, inventory, you know, it's like, like for cigars, you know, we have a big walk-in humidor for us. It's like putting money in the bank, right? Uh, I would rather put money into my humidor than I would the bank because it's, you know, the pay, the payback's better. Uh, and it's just, it's up to me then to, to sell that product. And, 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 and then we, you know, you just, I don't know. It's, it's hard with in, in, in Nicaraguan cigars, you know, inventory, like from the time I would order, it would be about 180 to 210 days to get my order. And so, you know, you're, that's over a half a year sometimes to, and you're trying to predict growth and the inventory you need. And, and so it was challenging that way, but that was another struggle, uh, in that transition period pre COVID. Um, you know, we were going through the, the partnership breakup and stuff. And, uh, the factory that we were, we were using, um, was, uh, you know, we get quoted, like Scott said, 180, 210 days for, you know, turnaround for an order. And we weren't getting product for 250, 275 yeah. days. Um, you know, and, and so we just, we would, we'd be out of stock on certain blends or certain sizes just because the factory, we couldn't get the inventory we needed. So, uh, Scott and I went down to Nicaragua to, um, check out a, a, a new factory and work on a new partnership. And we've known the owner of this factory for years prior. Um, so we went down there, uh, went down for a week, spent a week at the factory, um, recreated some of the blends that we already have tweaked some stuff a little bit, um, got familiar with how they run their operation, um, all their, you know, the logistics side of things and stuff like that. And, uh, by the end of the week we were like, okay, you know what, this is going to be a good fit. This is going to be awesome. Um, let's move forward with this. And so we were like, okay, sweet, let's go. Uh, and then we flew back from Nicaragua. 24 hours after we landed in the United States, the entire world got locked down for COVID. Yeah. If we didn't make that decision to switch to that factory, if we didn't make that. If we waited one week to go down there. Yeah. Cool. Cause we wouldn't be able, yeah. wouldn't been able to gone down, but if we didn't make that decision right then pre COVID, uh, we would not be in business today. We would not have yeah. inventory. We would not be able to, uh, you know, do anything like the majority of factories shut down during COVID. Um, we kind of backdoored, the employees at our, at the factory that we use still supported workers, still supported families. You know, they were getting income during COVID. We were still getting product. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of these factories, they were just completely 100% shut down because they're so big. They can't have that many people showing up in one spot, you know, like it would, you know, people would notice. Um, but yeah, so that was another big thing that, yeah, it was just good. And timing. that was luck. Yeah. Good, good timing. Uh, was that, was that, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. All right. Now we're super happy with the factory. We've been there what three years now. Yeah. Yeah. Almost so. four. Yeah. Same factory. Yeah. That's that Yeah. It's awesome. So, I mean, was that decision number one coming out, getting back to zero, going down there, making that trip? What was the what was behind the kind of decisive nature of of that that trip and the, the decision? Like, was it, it was like okay, here, here we are, we're going to go down and make these decisions and, and move forward now with just just this team and now that other partner is gone. Yeah. So the other, yeah, the other partner who, uh, who tried to take over the business was really cozy with the other guy we were getting cigars from. And so we had to, had to completely part ways there, uh, get rid of that middleman. Uh, and it was, I mean, just, you know, we didn't find out about it till like years afterwards, but his intentions were to, to help the other guy put us out of business so that he would own the whole business and uh yeah so it's just more of that kind of stuff but yeah got it so so coming out of that trip covid you've got you're getting inventory in place you're getting orders coming in what did what did covid look like for you that that year what did sales look like what did growth look like what were was that decisive i mean how, how quickly after that making that decision were you like oh wow okay cool we made the right decision we got to move and did things kind of start to happen at a, at a, at a more consistent clip for you at that point? Yeah, we, we went all in. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, uh, as soon as like COVID hit, um, you know, we sat down, we brainstormed a little bit and, uh, and we were like, you know what, like, you know, the, the whole two weeks to flatten the curve. And right. so we played the game and then we realized, okay, this is, 
which really isn't going anywhere. And then, you know, all the, the vaccine stuff started, you know, uh, you getting, you know, pushed forward and everything like that. So we sat down where we were like, you know what, like, let's have fun with this. Uh, so we actually did a small batch release of a cigar called the, the vaccine. Um, and we did the math on it. We reached out to a lot of the customers, uh, a couple of social media posts to try to figure out, um, you know, if anybody that ordered these cigars from us and smoked them, if they got COVID or not. And uh, so based on the feedback we got from the customers, we mathed it out and we actually had a better uh, um, vaccine, rate. vaccine rate with our cigar than all the vaccines that they released in the same time frame. <laughs> no, but uh, through COVID, our, I mean, because we sell online, right? And so during COVID, a lot of people that couldn't leave their house smoked a lot more cigars. And, uh, you know, I think that really helped us. You know, one thing we did, I think we ordered probably more than we could afford. And then by the time we yeah. got it and as we were selling it, it we probably didn't order enough. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, you, obviously you have some retail partners here. I actually, I was looking on maps uh, on, on your website uh, a couple of days ago and I'm in Richmond, Virginia. And so okay. there, there is actually a shop um, like 30 minutes or so away. My, my buddy who I smoke cigars with, uh, he and I are going to go, are going to go over there and, and, and check it out next week. Um, but you started as, 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 you know, direct to consumer kind of D to C approach. And then you obviously have built some retail partners. Now, what was, uh, what was the decision to, to, I mean, I know obviously why you started D to C because that's what you, you could do, right? Like you could, you could ship them out and do online, but what, um, what was the growth pattern like from, Hey, we're D to C to, we're going to have some retail partners. What, what does that look like in terms of, of, of growth? And, and what was your interest in that? Are you still kind of testing that out? Do you want to remain this kind of hybrid model? Like what's, what's, what's the, um, what's so yeah, I I think, that's the question. I think, uh, you know, the cigars, we didn't realize when I got into this industry, I went like every year I went to shot show, right? It's like the big gun industry trade show. So I knew there had to be a cigar equivalent to that. And I had no idea what it was at the time, but I found out it was at the time IPCPR. Yep. Um, and it was just a, a big cigar trade show. So I went there just to see what, the, to get my feel of the industry. Right. And I would walk around and I talked to all these big, all these companies, right? Hey, do you guys do social media? Oh yeah. 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 You know, you know, awesome how long you've been doing it you know five ten years what are your numbers and they're like oh we have a lot you know and i look and they have like three thousand followers on facebook i'm like okay it's not a lot right and so i took all i took that information back and i'm like hey john we have a, a chance here to to do because we were really good in the gun in the gun space of marketing the problem is we didn't have our own product so i would do a cool you know gun video and we wouldn't see any big sales because they just go to their local shop and buy that gun or whatever. And so having your own product, I'm like, okay, we can market this. And, um, and so, uh, you know, initially I think that was, you know, and then with the drinking bros, like we had to have a website, right? Because I was told that in the cigar industry, what I had to do, because it's what everybody does is you go to a shop and you sell the cigar, the absolute cheapest you can. And you beg them to carry it because they're the ones that do the marketing for you. And I'm like, I am not doing it that way. Right. It just, it, one, I can't, like, I just can't hire people to, I'm not, I'm not going to go to every single shop and do this. And so, but we, at the same time, we tried both models. Like we, yeah. from day one, we sold the shops, right? We, we sold the local shops. Uh, and we, we always want people to buy from their local shop, but I want to do the marketing. And so what we do is, you know, we do the marketing and then we ask our customers, Hey, go to your local shop and ask, instead of me sending in a representative as a customer, go to the shop and, and ask to carry it. And then we would get phone calls. And that's how we ended up in probably our first, I don't know, 130 shops, yeah. you know? And, um, but now, now I think our, our growth, you know, we want it to be the, the business to business. We want it to be the shops. You know, but a lot of these shops, they don't understand. They're like, oh, well, you, you know, you're competing with us by selling online, you know, but I guess, but the, the problem is we can run reports and see where our sales are, at what given time, you know, in what location. And so we'll, we'll have a shop that'll tell us that. And then we'll look up in the last, you know, month, how many, how many 
orders we've had shipped to that area and it'll be like $400 worth. And that shop has only ever ordered like $3,000 worth of cigars from us, you know? So it's like, well, we're not really competing with you. And that, and it's <clears throat> usually the shops that are doing this are in like a, a major metropolitan area. Right. And, uh, and so not only is, do they have other shops and, and lounges that are competition for them? Um, you know, they're, essentially trying to say that like scott said that we're stealing their business and it's like you know we we have a lot of retail partners that we work with and it's kind of funny because the ones that think that we're stealing their business other or aren't like the big shops well yeah like <laughs> you know they, like there's there's a couple it's funny because there's like there's a couple really concentrated areas where we have like five or six shops that carry our brand and all of those shops do better when they're carrying the brand because people see it more. Right. But if it wasn't, if it wasn't for our marketing and, and everything like people wouldn't even yeah. know to go in there and ask for it. So I don't know, it's, we're kind of caught in this weird spot with it, but uh, that, and like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of area of the country that don't have cigar shops that are even within, you know, a 30 minute drive. Right. So, you know, you gotta be able to, help those people too and so i don't know it's one of the things that we learned too from when we started with the direct consumer versus you know business to business or the wholesale side is uh we created the customers by doing the direct consumer and then the customer would rather get it from their local cigar shop or lounge or be able to hang out there and not have to wait for shipment in the mail you know um like we put humidification packs and all the shipments but it still doesn't control temperature you don't know if it's sitting in the back of the truck in a parking lot you know in the direct sun for you know whatever so the the consumer would rather get it from the uh, a cigar shop or lounge where it's sitting in a humidor properly you know humidified and temperature controlled uh they know it's going to smoke well versus ordering online having to wait for well, a week that, or two and like if if you're a consumer that goes into a cigar lounge to smoke a cigar you want i mean it's it's not cool to like bring your own in there and smoke your own and not buy any right so we want our cigars in the cigar shop our customers want them in the cigar shop and so you know i, I don't know we, we go back and forth with some of the of the dealers but the uh, the people that i mean that, that don't care about it they do very very well with the brand so yeah I, th- I think it's a really smart way to do it. it's like you're using you're using the d to c as intel for the b2b side of the business yeah, yeah. and you're also kind of using this like uh like uh for, forward operations to keep the military metaphor it's like forward operations right to like right. to then bring in you know to, to that um you know to that community and then you're also able to serve you know like you said rural communities and people who maybe want to support a veteran-owned business or want to support a small business they're able to get the things that that they want to smoke if they don't have that as, as an option so you've, you've figured out a way to, to cover all of your bases in a way that that um that that works you you said you said something interesting you said you're able to kind of create create your consumer create your customer um in, in terms of the marketing skill set that that you've brought to this like what has your strategy been um in terms of creating that customer like what, what are the, some of the things that you've deployed what have what have you learned about your consumer and your and your customer and and what have you done from a multimedia standpoint to to do that uh you know i the, the cigar industry is interesting it is. because we can't do any paid marketing or paid advertisements like on, um, on social media. Yeah, we're restricted on all social media platforms are restricted for like Google AdWords. Um, the only thing we can really market or advertise in is kind of industry, you know, specific magazines uh, or or, you know, cigar blogs or something like that. Um, and so we tried that. Uh, we went. Um, heavy with the cigar magazine for probably a, l- a year and a half. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, it's very expensive. Um, and you, you don't directly see your, your ROI at all yeah. on, on a print ad. So it's very hard. Um, so we kind of took a, like a grassroots approach to it. Um, you know, we went with the like-minded individuals. Uh, that's why we partnered up with drinking bros in the beginning. Um, you know, there was kind of our demographic of, of customer base that we were going to, you know, pursuing um and then social media but it it was all organic um you know because we could never do any sponsored anything which 
uh, hindsight was great because every single like that we have is on social media is somebody that chose to follow us. Somebody that's like, you know what? I like what these guys are doing. I want to see what they, you know, what else they, they have going on. Sometimes they chose it like three times with all the shadow band stuff. Right. Because <laughs> you know? we use guns in our pictures too, you know? So it's yep. like, yeah, we, we get yeah. Hit, hit double on that sometimes. But, um, but yeah, so, I mean, being out in the community, whether it's in the cigar industry uh, or in, in the veteran space, um, you know, trying to trying to work with other veteran owned companies. And what I mean by that is because we're so restricted on what we can do, um, you know, we didn't want to partner with with another veteran owned company and have their ability to do marketing, get shut down, shut down because, because of us or our down. partnership, uh, you know, because for a lot of companies that is that is their platform for for marketing and they'll dump hundreds of thousands of dollars a month into advertisements. Um, and if we're the reason, you know, that they can't do that anymore, not only is our partnership over, but you yeah. know, now now yeah. we look like the bad guys. Um, so we, you know, sometimes I guess to some other businesses in the community, it might look like we, you know, don't come out and play with others as much as yeah. other companies do, but it's, it's to protect them more than anything on yeah. social media. So. Right. Yeah. I, I get my day job is in, is in advertising um, as a, as a executive producer. So I haven't worked in the tobacco space, but I have worked in, in um, alcohol and spirits, you know, beer and spirits. And so I, I understand all the, the legalities and, and, and the rules and all of that stuff. A, a big through line of this podcast and something that I harp on uh, for our audience is not building a network, but building relationships with other human beings. And this is actually kind of an interesting wrinkle to that, right? Because you're talking about the nature of your relationship with another partner, whether it's another veteran-owned business or, or what have you. Um, can you talk about how important it is for you to have built those relationships, the way that you've built those relationships to have that conversation with them that you just said, which is, we understand that we might be putting you in a difficult spot here in terms of the content that you want to create with us. What, what's been the strength of those relationships and how have you tactically engaged in that kind of human to human connection as you work with other partners? So I think the, the, on the business side of it, you know, we try to be the veteran community is weird, right? It can tear itself apart. Like, yeah. I, you know, one little thing or whatever warfighter actively tries to be Switzerland. We don't want to get involved in any of the weird politics and veteran, whatever, like the, the veteran entrepreneurial space, yeah. you know, we try to be, you know, like, obviously if somebody directly tries to hurt our business, then there's probably going to be an issue, but I, I let hearsay go right out off, you know, like we don't pay any attention to it. You know, like I know a lot of the guys personally that have been attacked by, you know, the veteran community over misquotes and all kinds of weird stuff. So I, we just, we try to stay out of all that. Uh, but as far as the end user goes, uh, those personal relationships are very important to us. Yeah. You know, even, even our sales guys, you know, I, it is, if I see, if I see somebody trying to make an immediate sale versus trying to create the long-term relationship with a customer, I get upset about it. I'm like, you know, like our customer service, it's build the long-term relationship, you know, give the customer the benefit of the doubt all the time. Yep. You know, there's very rare occasions. I'll be like, no, the customer's wrong. <laughs> like yeah. maybe a handful since we started. Right. You know? But it's very important to me that, that, that long-term relationship we have, we have a great following and a great community. You know, Warfighter has its own Facebook page, the Warfighter Cigar Cartel. And, uh, it's a, it's a fun, good page. You know, everybody has a yeah. good time. Uh, yeah, that's important to us. Now, when you were talking about the customer there with your sales guys, you're talking about retail partners, right? This is, this is B2B, the B2B aspect. No, no I'm it's, talking end user. Well, it's oh, you're end user. Yeah. it's both. both. Yeah. Because I think something that that veterans that are transitioning or service members that want to transition or transitioning out of the military often don't understand is that you do have to market a lot of times to other businesses, right? Like we've, I, I think, and obviously I'm a little biased here because I because of the industry that I work in, but we tend to think you know, there's B to B and then there's D to C, right? And it's like, well, you're you're actually showing that there's a there's a there's a blend here, right? Like you have to be able to operate in both spaces and you have to be able to kind of cross over in and out, not in any sort of manipulative way, but just in a way of like, Hey, I'm talking to a retail partner. 
I'm selling to, you know, B2B. And then here it's D2C. And I'm talking to people who are going to actually smoke these cigars. Um, so it's, and I don't know, it's kind of interesting. I've never actually thought about this with, with a business like yours, that there's, there's that, that kind of crossover is actually pretty tactile. It, it really is, you know, and, you know, sometimes we'll get the end user, you know, the, that smokes a cigar. If they have an issue, sometimes it falls on the, 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 the business we sold the cigars to that they're not properly taking care of them, you know, and, and some, you know, but we'll, we'll try to point it out very tactically or tactfully yeah. that, you know, that, Hey, this might be the issue. Um, but usually, I mean, ultimately it falls on us for the, the customer service, even if the customer bought it from a shop, you know, in another state yeah. from us or whatever. We, we call it a, a warfighter warranty. Um, and you know, we understand that all of our products, all of our cigars are handmade. Um, there's no machines that are involved in the, the entire process from seed to cigar. Um, you know, so it, it, the guy could have got it, the roller could have gotten a fight with his wife or it could have been, you know, whatever, whatever the reason was. Uh, so like Scott said, we'll always give the customer or, or the, the, the wholesaler, the, the store, the benefit of the doubt, you know, like, okay, cool. Yeah. It, sorry. That it was yeah. a fuck up. It was on our end. Um, you know, here's a replacement. Uh, but, oh, by the way, here are some, uh, some tips on how to make sure that this doesn't happen again also. Um, so, uh, a lot of the stuff, um, like we joke about it all the time, going from the gun industry into the cigar industry, you know, uh, in the gun industry, you always have customers of gone. Oh, my gun does my, my gun doesn't shoot, you know, and there's a million reasons why that could happen. I've never had a customer in the cigar industry say my cigar didn't light, yeah. you know what I mean? But they, they could have been like, well, it, it tunneled or it, it burned down one side or blah, 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 you know? And then, so that's, we use that as, as, you know, twofold one, obviously, you know, we stand behind our product. We're going to replace, you know, whatever, we're going to make it right. Uh, but we're also going to inform, um, you know, the consumer that, you know, this is an organic product and, and things can go wrong. Uh, but here's some ways to either prevent it or to correct it. Uh, and, and we've learned that by doing that, it, it helps like, you know, we were talking about the relationship side of things. It helps build that relationship with the consumer because, you know, not only are we making whatever the issue is right, we're also, you know, uh, helping in, in, um, you know, almost teaching, you know, spreading knowledge about the things that are, you know, potentially wrong. Like in this industry, it's very, you know, unique in that way. Um, you know, nobody's going to be like, oh, well, this is how you're supposed to drink whiskey, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But, and we have fun with our customers too. Like, uh, you know, we'll get somebody cause we have to age verify everybody. Right. And so we'll get people that like, Oh, I don't want to send a picture of my ID. And you know, it's usually for, we have an automated system that usually does it right. It just, it just knows, but occasionally we have to have somebody send in a, a picture of their ID for their first order. And, uh, you know, I understand people don't want to do that. And like, one, you know, we get a couple people that say, oh, you know, you're, you know, I'm worried you're going to steal my identity. And like our reply will be back. We'll, we'll be like, well, we looked at your identity and you've made some awful life choices. <laughs> you know, we're, you know, we, we, you can keep it. We're not going to steal it. I promise. You know, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. we don't want your identity. We just want your money. You know, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's funny. Nine times out of 10, that customer sees that response of an email and then they send us you know, age verification. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's only a, a handful of people that are, you know, they don't. And it's like, dude, it's a driver's license. Like all that info is public knowledge. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In terms of the, um, the, the, the kind of human connection, the real business relationships with whether it's podcasts like drinking bros or any other kind of sponsorships that, that you all do. I know you do a lot of events and you do a lot of you know, traveling on the weekends with I'm sure trade shows and things like that. Um, what, what are, what are some of the ways that you've gone about building, those relationships um with some of those other other companies and and what do you use what decision making process do you use to um to kind of engage there so we've done a lot of stuff with uh with other veteran-owned companies um a lot of it we don't do anymore um and it's it's kind of comes down to the, the the politics um you know there other companies make decisions or business choices or do whatever that they do. And, th- and that's a hundred percent on them. You know, there it's every right for them to do that. And it just doesn't align with our views and, and our, you know, what we want our customers to think about our company. And so we kind of, 
you know, it's not like bad blood wise, but we just kind of, you know, grow well, in a separate it, direction. It's kind of like what, what I said earlier, where we, we don't want to make the same mistake twice. So we learn from our, yeah. our mistakes and, and, uh, you know, but I mean, you know, uh, on a, on a personal level or, uh, you know, whatever we, we try to get along with everybody. Like we, we really, yeah. Yeah. You know, on a, on a, a, the partnership side of things, um, we, we've, gone all in with a partnership with a nonprofit called hero sports uh, and they're based out of uh, San Antonio, Texas. Um, we've worked with them uh, since, I don't know. Well, since we moved down here. Yeah. But even before then we were in communication with them. Yeah. Um, but we moved down here. Uh, we got involved with their organization. Um, you know, we checked them out just to see what they did and everything like that. Uh, we really liked what they were doing for veterans and active duty guys. Um, so we tried to get more and more involved. Um, you know, they're a, a, a smaller nonprofit um, and, you know, we're a smaller company too. And so we kind of came to that decision with them. Like, you know, look, we can donate our time, um, but we need to figure out a way to help, to, to help you guys um, because we, you know, we believe in what you're doing. Um, and, you know, we can't just stroke a check and be like, here, go support everyone. Uh, so our idea, um, which would help monetarily and would help with, with the reach for that nonprofit was to do a, a cigar and call it the hero sports cigar. Um, and a dollar per cigar goes back to that nonprofit. Uh, but it, it does a couple different things. One, it, it raises awareness for the nonprofit. It monetarily supports them with all the cigars we sell. Um, but it, it, it adds reach for, uh, whether it's donors or veterans, uh, for hero sports, because now it's, you know, the majority of the shops that we're in across the country carry that cigar, uh, all the information about the nonprofit the QR code and everything like that's on the box. Uh, so when somebody smokes it, not only is it like, Oh, wow, this is a good cigar. I like this, you know, it goes for a good cause. Um, and if that consumer wants to donate, or if that retailer wants to partner, um, you know, and do a, a fundraising drive for the nonprofit, then they can do that also. Yeah. Um, and we've had a couple, uh, retail partners, that they'll do a match, um, you know, be like, okay, so every time you buy the cigar heroes or warfighters donating a dollar per cigar, and then we're going to match that. We're going to donate a dollar to on our end. Um, and it just a more of incentive for guys to, uh, you know, one smoke that cigar, but two, you know, learn about this nonprofit, the partnerships that we made. That's very cool. Uh, we'll, we'll link that out and, and tag them in a little, in a little piece of content there and, uh, organically on Instagram. I think what's cool about that though, is that you've kind of figured out how to, I'm not sure how intentional it is, but just listening to you speak right there, it seems that you have really honed in on, okay, this is what everything is organic, right? If we can, if we can't advertise through paid media, then everything we do needs to be organic. So our relationships need to be organic and authentic. And if somebody doesn't align, that's okay. Go be you, do what you want to do, but there's no alignment here. We're going to be organic and authentic to ourselves. And then here is something that we, that we do want to partner with. And instead of just, like you said, giving something that you can't necessarily give, how do we create organic and authentic opportunities for maybe more than just one dollar to yeah. go into into that um, you know particular pot or or what can be created and branched off of that? I really love that approach. Um, I've got a couple more questions. Um, kind of one final one at the end, but before then, what's next? What are y'all working on right now? What what are you moving towards? What does the next year, two, five years look like for y'all? Yeah, we're uh, always working on new cigars. So we got one releasing in July. Uh, that'll be a that'll be a fun. It's a fun design and, and good cigar. I think that one will it'll go over well. But as far as the business goes, you know, we're trying to hire more people uh, and try to grow to the next phase. Um, you know, we don't have the aspirations of becoming like a super big corporate company. We like we like the environment we're in. You know, we don't have an HR department. Uh, we don't, you know, it's, you know, everything we do, we try to, we try to just be, you know, if it, it, you know, I, I like, I want it to be fun when I come into work and, yeah. uh, what, whatever we have to do. So that being said, it's more fun when we're not broke. So we're trying <laughs> to, you, know, you balance the growth with the broke, right? Cause like you can be not broke, but then when you want to grow, you're spending the money to grow and then you're broke again. So it's, you know, it's always that, yep. well, that, that balance there. And so it's, uh, that's kind of what we're what we're working on yeah. i think so um we're uh you know with the with the cigar industry it's kind of a uh antiquated industry for lack of better words um 
you know, the, the retail partners, uh, they want a, uh, a rep or an owner, somebody from the company to come into their store in person every six weeks, you know, and there's probably close to 3000 cigar shops or lounges, uh, or tobacco stores across the country that, you know, carry premium cigars. And I mean, that's impossible. Um, to be touch every single store every six weeks. Um, so getting a sales team to cover different regions and territories, um, uh, all, you know, ultimately is, is an end goal for us, um, because it expands our reach. It gets, you know, our representation in all kinds of different areas. Um, and it helps build, you know, the relationship with our retail partners. Uh, the hard part with doing that is getting a guy that doesn't mind being on the road, living out of a hotel four days a week, you know, every week yeah. of the month you know, traveling, building these relationships with all these shops, uh, and then maintaining them also. Um, so the hard part that we're do we're going through right now is finding those right people, uh, to put, put in that place to be able to do that. Um, you know, in a perfect world, there's veterans all over the place and, you know, veterans most, for the most part, work their asses off. There are some, you know, bad apples that are out there, but you know, whatever. Um, so originally our goal was like, oh, we're going to do 100% veteran sales force. Uh, you know, we're going to do all this stuff. And then, you know, as we've grown in the industry, we've realized that like, you know, that might not actually work. We might actually need guys that have, you know. That know the, more than us. Yeah, the appropriate skills to do what they do, you know. Um, so that being said, if any of your listeners are in the cigar industry uh, and, you know, are a broker or, uh, you know, have an interest in being a, a cigar rep uh we are looking right now so yeah absolutely we'll uh we'll we'll let them know and we'll uh we'll, we'll obviously link everything out websites and, and all that stuff um yeah i guess before i get to the the kind of final question that that's open-ended where can folks find y'all where do you want to drive traffic to where should we where should we link out there is a dealer locator link uh, so you can find if there's a, a, a dealer near you, uh, you know, we recommend going that route first, but if not, you know, you can order right off the website. Uh, and then our social medias are all just yeah. warfighter tobacco. So, yeah. Cool. Well, we'll link all those out. Um, awesome. Well, listen, I appreciate the time. The, 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 the way I've been ending the podcast here recently is, is asking folks, um, kind of what's on your heart and what's on your mind for, for our community right now, whether that's a piece of advice um, or whether it's just something you, you want to get off your chest and, and, and say out loud, um, what's, what's on your heart, what's on your mind for us right now? You know, with, uh, you know, you hear all kinds of, you know, the country seems so divided right now. And I think the, the, what my core belief is everybody's created equal, right. And we should treat everybody equal, but that doesn't mean you're special. Uh, don't demand to be treated special. You're equal, not special. That's how, kind of how I'm raising my kids, yeah. you know? And, uh, I think if the, if society would not demand to be treated, uh, special, but demanded to be treated equal, I think everything would work out a lot better. And I'll just leave it at that, I guess. And, uh, reach out to your buddies. Um, you know, like Scott and I, we, we deployed together 2003, 2004. Uh, we had a really, really tight platoon. Um, and I've been on the phone with one of our guys, um, for, almost every day for the past week or so, uh, just cause he's, uh, kind of going through a rough time. You know, it's been 20 years since, uh, you know, we deployed and a lot of guys don't realize that they have some stuff going on. Um, uh, you know, they just think it's life stressors or, you know, whatever, oh, I just got fired from my job or, you know, whatever the situation is. And, you know, that might be the problem on the surface, but there's definitely some things going on, you know, deeper. Um, and you know, whether it's a phone call or a text message or just something like that, reach out to, you know, guys that you served with, you know, just been, Hey man, how's everything going? You doing okay? You know, just as some, something as simple as that can turn somebody's day around or turn somebody's week around or, or encourage them to, you know, continue doing whatever they're doing in the right direction. Absolutely. Well said, full throated support over here for, uh, for, for both, both of those answers. So John Scott, appreciate y'all's time. Thanks for the cigars. Uh, I'm stoked to go check out the spot here here in Virginia that, um, that I found on the, on the retail locator on the website and, uh, to, to keep supporting y'all and keep supporting the local retailers that, uh, you supply to. But what branch did you say you were in? I was in the air force, air force? Uh, okay. 2000, 2006 to 2010. I was a, uh, 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 weapons guy, bomb loader, uh, oh, on, man. um, 
uh, F-15s, E-models. So I was uh, out of San Antonio for a year and then England for three years, uh, went to Bagram a couple of times, did some NATO stuff uh, kind of around around Europe. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listen, fellas, appreciate your time, appreciate your service, appreciate the cigars. Yeah. All right. Thank, well, thank you very you. much. All right. We'll see you. Yeah. Bye.